Hello and welcome to our podcast today. Hello, Deck. Hello, Lurkin. How are you today? I'm brilliant. I'm good. Wow. That's great. Bit of positivity. That's, that's what we would like to hear. So this is episode two of North and South, our North and South podcast from both sides of the Irish border. I'm Lorcan. I'm in Sligo in the South. And you are? And I am Declan in the North. Okay, great. So today we are actually going to talk about the virus. So this is what everyone is talking about. So it's we're going to try and bring a, a new slant on it. Do you think we can do that, Dick? What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think we can do that. C- can I just uh, say one thing before we start, Lurkin? I got an email from a listener. Okay, go ahead. And she said that it was a wonderful podcast. What is she going to say here? She says that particularly Lurkin's dulcet tones were very good. And that comes from, let me see who the listener is. That's from Susan in Slego Town. <laughs> on, Lurkin. Your mum's called Susan, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. <laughs> Lurk, I think the that's things that you will do the, th- the things that you will do Lurk, unbelievable the depths does this man know no depths so a big shout out to Lurk no, well, and Mom in Slego well, in she's fairness, a big fan we, we have actually had some response to our first podcast and, and it was actually quite good generally from you, from you, mainly from your family and mine Dak, in fairness and our, our uh, mutual friends yes but so we've, we've got something to live up to it's just so uh, yeah, it is, it is. This is a professional podcast, Lurk. It's not just two Indeed. guys exactly. who are COVID bored to said to get together <laughs> and do some hashing. No, this is a professional. Uh, we had to go through the whole process of you know our agents getting in touch, uh, the casting, your pilots. People, your people talk to my people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no messing around here. No, no amateurs here. No. The only, only thing I so, I don't know I I couldn't understand Lurk was was that why. Uh, why uh, I had to get undressed for for the casting? Uh, it's very strange. Yeah, yeah, you, you weren't you weren't supposed to tell anyone that. Time. Okay, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that that's just standard practice. Don't worry about that. Oh, uh, okay, right. Yeah. So the virus deck, the virus north and south. I think there was one thing in the paper today. I was just mentioning it to you. The guardy talking about all these Nordies coming across the border and infecting us. They didn't say it exactly that way, but that was the implication. Have you heard about a lot of people coming across the border? And not recently. I know sort of at the start of this uh, shutdown north that the Gardaí were stopping on the border. I know uh, heading across into Donegal for the young ones who were heading out, you know, the discos and the nightclubs, etc. They were being stopped in the early part yeah. of it and being turned back, you know. Yeah, I remember you saying that, all right. And I know a, a lot, lot of people, recently. there was a lot of people also heading to the beaches early on as well, which was like crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I suppose you, you don't have any beaches in Fermanagh, so you, you have to kind of improvise. Only lakes. Yes, no beaches there. So the guard that you were saying, in places like Donegal, we see a very significant amount of cross-border traffic. So this is going to create a difficulty for us. So people come, coming from the north down to the south, just for a, a day out or something. I mean, who, who knows? So I think the worry is as well that this other news story that I shared with you there was the idea that there's death rate in Northern Ireland is like 50% higher than in the south. You, you had a look at that, this, this man, yeah. Gabriel Scally. Well, I think that just goes to confirm what is the general consensus among everyone now is that the North followed the British policy, while the yeah. public followed the World Health Organization policy. And it would appear at this stage that the World Health Organization seems to have been a better policy to follow. The British seem to start so, off on, so, on, on one sort of policy of this herd immunity and then sort of seem to jump horses early doors, possibly the worst thing yeah. they could have done, into a shutdown. And it wasn't the best of both worlds. It was sort of in between. And the result is the, some of the largest numbers, I think, anywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't look like they've handled it well at all, really, does it? 
they seem to be in a bit of trouble. They do. And for me, it's the spinning, which is yeah. sort of carried over from Brexit. They, can, they, you know, they think they can just spin stuff. And uh, one key thing, I think, from, from what you hear from the World Health Organization is transparency and mm. communication and honesty. And you just, yeah. you just, I think people are getting a little bit tired of the spinning, maybe, on the British side. You're saying one thing and two days later contradicting it. So... Which it doesn't appear to be down south. Look, there still seems to be a lot of faith in in the government and what they're saying. Is that right? What they're communicating? Well, I would say so. I mean, people seem to be. Well, on one hand, I think people are they have admired the people in charge because they've been very direct and very straight with people straight away, no messing around. Yeah. But then the other thing is that we've had a horrendous situation in the nursing homes, like everywhere, I think, yeah, but I mean, think, especially yeah. here, where it's like half the deaths have been in nursing homes. So it's absolutely. It's, it's completely gone out of control there. So, but and we still got huge numbers actually. And then in the south, we've got huge numbers, nearly twenty thousand at this stage, and a thousand deaths. So, but you know, we're not overwhelmed. So I think people seem to think that it's kind of under control. And and there's a lot of people out and about, like a lot of people out and about. A lot of people. Yeah, I, I know supermarkets. A lot of people walking around and stuff. So yeah, Sorry, I know. I know we were doing a Zoom session there so Friday night where a crew of us get together and have a chat and that seemed to be a yeah. strand that was coming through. Through I know Quinton was saying that in Belfast that the traffic seems to be picking up in the city. Yeah. I haven't, I have, to be honest, I haven't been out there. and about here really to notice uh, has it been picking up or not, you know, but I know Joe thought that Sligo too was, the numbers were... Yeah. Well, I mean, you're a bit of a hermit anyway, so you don't, whether, whether there's COVID or not. Yes, I like to live in my cave and, you know, meditate. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, I can see you meditating, all right. <laughs> Cross-legged, long-haired. But what interested me at the beginning there was that, well, actually, one, one thing that interests me there, I was looking at the Northern Ireland press. So there's Irish News was reporting this story that the Northern Ireland death rate is 50% higher than the South. And I had a look on the Belfast Telegraph website, and there's... Nothing to be seen about that story. Absolutely nothing. Actually, if you read the Belfast Telegraph, the South doesn't even exist. The Republic doesn't even exist. There's nothing about the Republic at all. I found that f- curious. Yeah, well, you might have seen something if it was the opposite. Well, or, where, what you? Where, where if yous had a higher death rate, it, you might find it in the Belfast Telegraph. Do you know what I mean? It is, <laughs> it, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much part of the scene up here. You know, in fairness, I think the politicians have, considering they've been out of each other's throats for more or less five years, and yeah. weren't talking to, uh, to each other at all and Stormont was an operation they've managed to generally I would say contain although you get undertones still of, of where they don't actually like each other well I mean that's that's not going to change is it yeah but you know there's, well, been, a, the there's begin- been a few wee cracks there but I, I don't think you know from speaking to most people I think they'd all agree is that uh, you know we just want listen we don't want to hear fighting or cracks in political path towards dealing with this we just want you to get on of it get it done no one wants mm. to see them They're- fighting each other or, or disputes you know it's it's too serious just get on of it and get it sorted out yeah well I mean in the beginning it seemed to kind of split around or- orange and green lines didn't it because oh yes the- oh absolutely well, listen. The, the DUP didn't want to shut down, would that, and, and and Sinn Fein wanted to shut down. But you know, that there just show reality of where you know this is basically very close to a fifty-fifty state, where fifty percent of the population looks east and fifty percent of the population looks south. On the ground, yeah. what was happening very early doors, what you found is that schools, particularly the Catholic schools, were what they were doing is it happened at St Paddy's Day. So for the next day or two after yeah. that, you find a lot of schools, what they were actually doing was having taking staff days at very short notice to uh-huh. buy time 
sort yeah. of for the politicians to, to get the word out well generally in the control schools they tended to just stay open and on the ground I think in, in both sectors of education the controlled and the Catholic system a lot of parents weren't sending the kids to school so the public uh, was in advance yeah. of the politicians almost do you know what I mean so when you say controlled you're talking about the Protestant schools yeah. or yeah. state schools yeah. state schools yeah some some mixed schools maybe that would be the integrated system yeah but you know, but it's it's understandable for the unionist politicians to they could not look to Britain. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. I think maybe what yeah. what what everyone's learned, you got to do your own thing. You got to make your own decisions. Maybe more like the Scottish, yeah. make your own calls and go with it. I think that's a lesson possibly that's going to be learned out of all this for the North. You don't have to blindly, yeah, well, blindly I mean, North... fall from, from Westminster. You know, you can be growing up and do your own thing, yeah. you know. Well, it's in general, the, the North doesn't seem to have, I mean, from the, the stories, it doesn't seem to have been hit, hit that badly, has it? No, it, I mean, compared to the UK, it's, you know, the mainland, as it's sometimes called here, uh, you would have to say uh, no. It seems to have things under control. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the data will be run over and analysed and I think in the future we'll maybe find out why that is, you know, but we're probably less populated mm. than... Uh, True, yeah. ...would possibly... Not, not as many people coming in and out. So one of the worries down here, actually, and, and it's been spoken about more and more in the papers, is the open border. This is an issue that more and more people are having with our control of the virus, which is that there's obviously, you know, there's an open border. People can go go across and this is what all of Brexit is about. But now it's going to be a problem. It's going to, it's problematic because there's some people in the South don't really trust the Northern authorities' treatment of this, don't really trust restrictions and, you know, the restrictions that may be lifted at different times in different parts of the island. So that's a worry. I yeah, well, I, th- I think there's been some sort of joint memorandum, isn't the right uh, term, but some sort of joint agreement to deal with it in a sort of on Ireland basis. Is my understanding, Lurk? Was that not right? No, I've, I have heard of that memorandum, yeah. You could have maybe garden centres open in the north and not in the south. You People going up to the north from the south, a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you famously, I mean? the hairdressers were open in the south while they were closed up here but I think the Taoiseach came in, to, came in got a little bit of pressure didn't he? he went and made an announcement I think it was that when he was in New York and he hadn't discussed it with the northern politicians at yeah. all which they yeah. caught them on, on the hop you think they'd have coordinated it wouldn't you a wee bit better but possibly that's something that they've learned from and, and it's back to the, the communication we, we mentioned earlier it's so important that they get it right yeah, I wonder. I mean, maybe he was thinking that, you know, they're not going to discuss it with us if they whether they close things or not. They're not going to tell us. So we're just going to close it and then and sort it out later. Yeah. But, you know, going forward, I think that's the sort of thing that needs to be yeah. sorted out, doesn't it? No, no, it has to be, true. you know, that's they both have true. to sing it. From, they basically need to be chatting to each other before they, they make any sort of decisions or sort of radical calls about informing the other side. I thought we might mention a couple of weird things that we both came across about COVID and about coronavirus and all this. The first one I came across here was that in The Guardian, it mentioned that in the French hospitals, they're going to test nicotine patches for coronavirus patients. And this is because it seems that smokers are actually less affected than non-smokers when they get the virus. So, for example, it said in the Chinese study only 12.6% of 1,000 people infected with the virus were smokers, while the number of smokers in China is around 28%. So it seems that our theory is that nicotine actually might protect you from the virus, which I thought was yeah, it's, it's, bizarre. Yeah, I, I found that strange as well, because I've seen that article as well. And you'd have thought that smokers would have had poorer lungs, so they would have been more at risk. And actually, it, well, that's, it, it turns that's, out that's actually the they're, they're better make. off. 
Well, it, I mean, none of this makes any sense. I mean, it, I think it just it just shows us how little we know about this whole exactly. thing. Exactly, absolutely. It's it's very early days. I think that that one that one particular piece of information to me just shows that you have no idea what's coming up here. Yeah, you have no idea what, what people are going to find that might help this, that might be able to treat it, that might be able to undermine it. And if smokers are actually, and you know, this is only a theory really, but it's based on a couple of studies, so it's not definite. So, I mean, to clarify, don't go, definitely do not go out and start smoking to, to see if you can <laughs> defeat the coronavirus. Can I, can I just but, uh, m- mention something, Lurkin, which, uh, you know, you're, we're talking about sort of uh, strange things. I think one thing possibly is very Irish thing with the wakes and the funerals, how they have been sort of oh, disrupted yeah. and it's... It's a very Irish thing, isn't it? Having our wakes and big funeral and, and not being able to do that at the moment. Just I was speaking to a friend last week there who had been at a funeral and she was telling me of a lady who had died in the local hospital here with yeah. the, the from the virus. So she died, I think it was on the Friday and she was buried on the Saturday. Her husband and son were isolated at home. So the hearse took the, the lady's body up onto the home house, up onto to the yeah. driveway. And, and they, they said their goodbyes from outside the hearse was just horrendous when you hear of that sort of thing. And them not be able to go to the graveside. I think it was actually a video was made at the graveside and then they could watch that later. But very few people at it. It turns on its head it's, the very it's just, Irish traditions of death, how, how we deal with it, you know. Yeah, well, it's just completely unnatural, isn't it? Yeah, it just tears the whole kind of. It's natural very cold, grieving, clinical almost, isn't it? It's it's well, well, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and I wonder will there be yeah, any sort of issues around that then going forward for people you'd maybe feel they didn't get to say a proper goodbye, exactly? I think they'd have to be. Yeah. And I suppose people would say, "Oh, we'll have a memorial later or or whatever," but it's not the same no. thing—not in six months or a year or whatever. And people, if somebody dies close to you. I mean, what helps you get through is you're having your family and your friends around, yeah. isn't it? And physical contact and whatever. Going and getting drunk with people or reminiscing or whatever. Maybe you can do it over Zoom, but I can't imagine much of a wake over Zoom, can you? But it's, it's even staying up with the body overnight as well, sitting yeah. up. Is that tradition still strong in Sligo or is that something that's maybe on the slide anyway? I know it's still strong. It's still strong around Fermanagh, you know, and Tyrone, very, very strong. I would say, well, in rural areas, it'll be stronger. But I know for my grandfather, we did that, you know. So someone was with the body all night and we did definitely have it awake. So I think, yeah, I think. And wakes are, they have a point to them, don't they? They do. They help you kind of cope with the whole thing. Yes, especially it helps you get through. Psychologically. Those early few days, you know, you're just rushed off your feet. You don't have time to think in a way. Mm. It's almost. Yeah. It's a good thing. And then you can sort of do your grieving after that. So this must be like the famine, this really. I mean, this is the only thing you compare it to. Yeah. Well, I. it's funny you mention that because I'd done, you know, I'm sort of interested in history. So I was listening to a podcast there, which is really good. And this guy, Finn Dwyer, he does the Irish history podcast. So he, he looked at yeah, epidemics yeah. over this last in Irish history. So there was one in the 16th century. There was an outbreak of the plague. It, there was six outbreaks of the plague. 3,000 people in Dublin died, which at the time had a population of 8,000. So that just shows you how dangerous that was. That was the Elizabethan conquest of Ireland. Typhus in 1816-17, 65,000 died, uh, infected 1.5 million. They reckon it was brought to Ireland from people returning from India. Everyone by now has heard of the Spanish flu in 1918. 
didn't actually start in Spain, but started, I believe, this research was starting in the military camps in France towards the end of the First World War. And it killed more people worldwide than actually died in the war. 800,000 people infected in Ireland. Uh, that's about 20% of the population and 23,000 people died. So, oh, wow. you know, these sort of things have been with us throughout history. It's just that us modern Europeans, I suppose, mm. in particular, think that we're immune to this. But it's, this is just Mother Nature's way of saying, bring this down to earth, saying, hold on. No one's yeah. yeah. Well, what they're saying is that more the more we destroy the, the natural habitats of animals and the more we come in contact with animals that we've never come in contact with before, the more these viruses are going to inevitably spread. And and, and the, the bigger is issue, more, and, and I suppose even the bigger threat to us, Lurk, is the whole environmental issue, which is far yeah. more probably dangerous to us all than, than this virus. Are we, we're being very slow, we're being very slow to get grip with it, you know, or, or, or take it serious enough, I suppose. We were saying, we, we were hoping that this might spark people into a realisation that if you don't take stuff seriously and work together, then, you know, you're going to be in real trouble. You, you can't just keep going with, with life as normal as if nothing's happening and ignore all of these problems on the horizon because they're going to come and bite you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's we talked earlier about how North and South have to come together with a joint way of dealing with this. But I think also yeah. it's yeah. not only North, South, it's worldwide. Everyone has to come together and deal Absolutely. with this because you can't deal with piecemeal. It has to be done with joint up thinking and collective approach, which us humans may not be the yeah. best yeah. at collective approaches. Well, I mean, this is the question. Are we capable of getting together and doing what needs to be done? I mean, so I think you, you can see the, the big gap between the East and how they've handled it. China and South Korea now, Taiwan. These are all places that are, have got it under control. I think, am I right in saying, Lurk, that's largely because of SARS? They had been hit by SARS a number of years ago, and as a result of that, they've got other processes in place. They quickly kicked into the systems to, to deal with it. I think that's part of it, yeah. I also think part of it is that it's more of a collective mindset, yeah. especially in China. It's a co- collectivist mindset, and people work for the common good, and it's part of Confucianism, I think, which is still really strong in all of Asia, especially in China. So it's the idea of working for the common good, and you are just part of a community, part of a collective Whereas, of course, we have the, we have the Maggie, indivi- individualism. Yeah, with the Maggie Thatcher, you know, there's no such thing as society, only the individual. Yeah, exactly. And especially, and that's hyper true in the States, I think. Yes. Where you can see all of, the, all of these protests now are starting. And I sent you this story about the Las Vegas mayor who wants to open everything up. You probably saw that. I've seen it, yes. Get those casinos open. Get, the, get them open, get the conferences in. She wants conferences for people from all over the world coming to Las Vegas. But yeah, I mean, if anyone can Google that interview with Anderson Cooper on CNN, it's a great interview. He's just talking to her and he's like, he's almost open-mouthed with disbelief. Yeah. What's what she's saying. He's, he's just like, what planet are you on? Yeah, I seen that. He was he just couldn't believe what she was saying, wasn't he? He was pulling his hair out. I seen that, uh, that interview, actually. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's not an uncommon position in certainly in the States among Trump supporters and people of that kind of. And, and we have them here, actually. I think there was, there was two people who who I won't name. They're uh, two ex-journalists who have taken the state to court to protest against the legality of the lockdown. They would just want everything opened up. So they want the, the herd immunity approach like a professor in Sweden. I, I don't really know what they believe, to be honest. They're also linked, or at least one of those people is linked to the 5G idea. You've heard this. Oh, look, we've talked, we talked about this the other night as well on our Zoom with, with our mates. I just can't even engage with and how somebody can even go down that road. Explain to people what, what it is first, yeah. 
Just so just to summarize what the theory is, the theory is that somehow 5G, because where this started was that the virus started in Wuhan in China. And Wuhan was also the place where the Chinese were breaking out their 5G network. So they were testing the 5G network in Wuhan. And the, of course, the virus coincidentally started in Wuhan. And so the idea now is that fi- somehow they, they never explained why or how this is happening. But the conspiracy is that the 5G network is spreading the virus all over the world. And then it's going to force us to get a vaccine and then we'll be controlled by the vaccine. The vaccine, whatever will be put into this potential vaccine, it will enable the world government to control us. This is the theory. Now, of course, I mean, there's there's a million and one ways of refuting the theory, but one particular one is that Iran has been very badly hit by the virus and they've no 5G network. Yeah. So, I mean, that's only one of a million ways of refuting it. But it is one of the crazy things that is, is being promoted on the web. Well, it's the same sort of people say, you know, Elvis is still alive and he lives on the moon. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That it's the earth is really flat. But unfortunately, there's a lot of them around, you know, there's... Uh, you'd be surprised, Lurk, yeah, listen, I got a great view, you'd be surprised in the number of people that... You know, but what do you say if you actually meet face-to-face one of these people, you know? And they are talking like this is real, and you're supposed to believe yeah. it's difficult. Well, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't think there's anything to say, really, is there? On a lighter note, I also saw another news story here recently on RTE that the sales of pregnancy tests have gone up 25% since the lockdown started. It's Italian 90 all over again. <laughs> so what will the babies be called? Corona? <laughs> yes. COVID, COVID. There'll be lots of little boys and girls called COVID around Christmas and in January. Yes. So I don't but know whether... Um, they'll have I, to come I, up I, with I a new term for the post-corona generation. Well, the corona, the corona generation, yeah. Yeah, the COVID generation. You also sent that on to me that there was the black, Asian and minority ethnicities, the BAME groups, were hit harder by COVID-19 than white people in the UK. So do you know why it was that? Did did they get into to explain why that was? Black and Asian people are more likely to be badly affected by the virus than white people. That 35% of of almost 2,000 patients were non-white. That's nearly triple the 13% proportion in the UK population as a whole. So far more likely to get the virus. They blame it on those communities coming from more deprived backgrounds. Also having Uh a higher rate of heart disease, diabetes. That they live in larger multi-generation households. So your social isolation uh-huh. might, might be more difficult. And also the NHS staff have a higher percentage of people from those backgrounds as well. And they're being directly exposed to virus. So. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you said earlier, Lurkin, it's early days for all this. And the data is going to throw up all this sort of information. But there's nothing new in that there that poor people are more likely to suffer from poor health. True. You know, yeah. and just that's just been the way that's been the way since forever. Yes, and this just yeah. just confirms that, doesn't it? That's it. So I had one question here. Yeah. What do you think we as a species will learn from this, and what do you think we as individuals will learn from it? As an individual, well, I th- I think it was about day four, Lurk, when uh-huh. I came downstairs and I realised that this isn't going to be short term; that this is going to be long term years probably yeah. rather than even days or months and also thinking about your own mortality for me and thinking yeah. about all those people who putting their lives at risk on, on the key workers in the front line whether they be doctors nurses uh, care workers or just or just somebody driving a lorry or a cleaner or or, or, uh-huh. the, or the people who work on in the shops yeah just yeah well it, it kind of makes you feel a bit useless just sitting at home and it? it does that as well doesn't it you know but it also if you could volunteer would you step forward 
Mm. Would you? Would you go? I think most people would. would. Yeah, I, I think I, most people I, would. I think so too. But you would have to think about it, Lurk. Oh yeah, especially I mean for you that you have a family and that's that, that certainly affects things. Yeah. So the, on a on, on a worldwide basis, what are we going to learn from this? You'd like to think that states would learn that they have to work together. Let's not waste money in uh, having senseless wars. Let's spend our money in more useful ways. Give peace a chance, man. Yeah, sharing of information. Yeah. Whatever each state finds out about this virus, share it with everyone else. Yes, I think that's something that we may, we should have known anyway, really. But it's it's something that we're going to be forced to confront, I think. I'll give you, I'll give you two things that occurred to me, not general, but personal. First one was, this is just proof that you have absolutely no idea what the future is going to hold. And so just live in the moment and stop worrying about the future. Because we've been worrying about the wrong things. There was, there was an article there recently about in, in the paper, someone was saying, it turns out we were worrying about the wrong things. And what, what they should have been worrying about is, is if there was a virus and getting pregnant. <laughs> yeah, how, how, do you, how do you avoid your husband during the lockdown? <laughs> <laughs> Always carry a so, spoon. Uh, well, you that's in, there's another podcast in that one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, that's the first thing. So the first thing really is you don't know what the future is going to hold. But also that's linked to the virus and how it's going to go. You don't know how this is going to go. Nobody knows how this is going to go. It could go get really bad. Could get worse, and it's going to get worse in, in developing countries. I think. Yeah. Also, you might find that there, there could be like the nicotine thing. There could be treatments that you have no idea about and that will come around the corner in three to, to four months and could change the game completely. Taking you back to the world, you know, what will change worldwide. It's like the, during the Second World War, this, suddenly jet engines were, were created, improved communications. Mm. And so you'd like to think that the expertise and knowledge on viruses is going to take like a huge jump considering basically the yeah. whole world's resources have been pumped into trying to find answers to these questions, wouldn't yeah. you? Well, exactly. And I think the story about the vaccine now is that they're using new techniques that they've been developing in development, but now they're going to put it into practice. And that's going to bring on vaccines like decades. Yeah. Although a sort of counter argument to that would be that uh, this virus is the same, comes from the same family as the common cold. And we, yeah. we haven't found something that's cured the common cold, you know, so there's there's no guarantees. That's true. I sent you, the, we discussed it earlier, but the latest information coming from the Chinese that there's 30 strains of this virus. Yeah. This part possibly explains why it's more deadly in certain locations than in others. I think some of the tests and the strain in Washington state is milder. While that in parts of Europe is, right. is more deadly. And that, that again will have an impact on the developers of the vaccine, you know, because it's obviously, it's, you know, you're dealing with different mutations of it. So, you know, you're going to have Ooh, to have maybe well, different vaccines. You know, it's it's just, yeah. it's endless this, the way this can just expand, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that's a game changer too. If we have to develop 30 different vaccines for it, it's a whole different thing. Anyway, my, the last thing that I, on a personal, well, a personal, I think, general thing is, I think a lot of people live as if they have endless time. This is my impression. People live as if they, they're not mortal at all, that they're kind of immortal and they've got all the time in the world to do stuff and they keep putting stuff off, planning stuff and they say, oh, I'll do that next year, I'll do it the year after, or the year after that or whatever. And now there's people all over the world going, shit, I should have done that when I had the chance. Because now for the next two years or whatever, I might not be able to go anywhere or travel anywhere or do anything. 
And the species, I think, were waking up to that. We're going, well, just don't put stuff off. Just do it. Do it if you Absolutely. want to do something. Do it. Yeah, that's something as well. Actually, that across my mind as well. Once this, once the curtains are pulled back and we can we can get out into the big bad world again, I think that's something that we're all going to do, isn't it? We've all got things in our mind, right? I've, I'm not going to put this off. I'm going to do it. Yeah, bucket list. Yeah. Bucket list, but brought forward. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I know myself, I've been planning to go to Latin America for half a decade, a decade maybe, and I still haven't got around to it. And I was going to do it this summer, and it's not going to happen this summer, of course. So um, so if you want to do something, do it. If you have the chance, do it. Don't wait around. There is no tomorrow. Exactly. Live like there's no tomorrow. If we can just maybe scrape a few quid together, Lurk, and get the rights to allow us to play Lannis Morissette's, isn't it ironic? I have, a, I have a couple of ironic things that I've... No- yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I can hum it there if you like. <laughs> In the background, yes. So, have you heard this here that it uh, this virus has been called the uh, Shea virus because it's a, <laughs> it's a socialist virus? It's bringing in a range of political measures that Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell would have been proud of with the Tories bringing in the socialist ideas of 80% uh-huh. pay for the workers, you know, and not having to work. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Isn't it ironic? That is ironic. Isn't it ironic that Boris, right, the man who didn't vote for their nurses' pay rise in 2017 now singing the praises of the nurses and clapping at the door of number 10? Yes, that's pretty ironic. And our nurses up here in the north were on strike just before this this whole thing kicked off to get equal pay with their, uh. their colleagues in the UK. Oh, they're not even paid the same as the UK. Uh, it sort of been it had been put on hold. Ah, uh, okay. And so they uh-huh. were striking just to get what their colleagues in, uh, have been getting. Also, Brexit. I, I, this is I find this ironic as well. When you're watching TV, Channel Four is particularly good on, on their coverage of this whole uh, virus. When you watch the TV and you see the numbers of doctors and nurses in the NHS who are, who are not British, they're Portuguese, they're yeah. Irish, they're Indian, they're New Zealand, etc., etc. Mm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Kick, kick them out, Dick. Kick them out. They're immigrants. Kick them out. This is it. And they're the people that's going to save us all. It's, it's crazy. How ironic. The final ironic thing is Michael Gove, the man who told us that Britain had enough of experts. Not to be listening to them experts. Down with experts. And now, uh-huh. standing before us is the bowel Michael proclaiming, we will be led by the medical experts. <laughs> I just find it very, very ironic. You could add to that the fact that Boris was the man who said he was refused to stop shaking hands. And two weeks later, what happened to him? He was in the ICU. Donald, the famous shot of Donald handing out the pens to all around him. What's that one? It's basically, you know, I, you know, social isolation and it just did be, you oh, know, yeah. just, and here's him signing some document at Oval Office and he was giving out these pens to everyone around him, you know. And it was just, uh, well, it was I just mean, crazy. We can't even get into Trump no. uh, and this whole thing because we'd, we'd be here all That's day. That's a whole season, Lark. That's a whole season. <laughs> yeah, so in our first episode, we solved the Northern Ireland problem. So have we kind of solved the COVID problem here? We've made a start on it ever, Lark. Yeah, yeah. Have you anything else to add, Dick? If, if not, I have just one more thing that I mentioned the other night that might make people smile. Yeah, no, go for it, yeah. So, yeah, in Spain, they had a real serious lockdown. Now, in Ireland, you know, our lockdown isn't that serious. You can go out... Uh, you can go shopping, you can, you can exercise. In Spain, you couldn't even exercise. The only way you can go out is to the supermarket or if you're walking your pet. So what's happened in Spain is that people have been sharing pets, sharing their dogs. You know, one person in an apartment building has a dog and the others borrow it so they can take it out and have an excuse to get out of the, out of the house. But the police stopped this guy who was walking his pet fish the other day. 
and on the street. He had the fish in the bowl and he was walking with the, the fish around <laughs> around Logroño, which is the, a city in Spain. And they actually, the police actually tweeted and said, fish is not a walkable pet, just to be very clear. You can't take your fish out for a walk. So this is the lengths that the some of the Spanish have been going to to just get out of the house. So they've, I mean, they've had a really serious lockdown. We've had a lockdown, but not nothing close to them. Will you tell me, so was there a gay, was there a gay in Belfast stopped by the Garda in Kerry? Was it you was telling me A guy me from Belfast? Yeah, some gay no, in Belfast. Had, I wasn't telling During that. the lockdown had got as far as Kerry and the Garda had stopped him. <laughs> and what was his excuse? I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. He got lost. I have no clue. Uh-huh. <laughs> he knows. got lost he got lost on the way to to what Derry that's it yeah and ended up in Kerry yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe he was dyslexic indeed okay so I think we've solved Covid deck well done Professor Lurk well done and we will see you next week with another episode of North and South we'll solve another world problem next week deck I think yes what, what will we solve then Israel-Palestine climate change yeah world peace World peace, okay. We'll sort world peace out next week. All we are saying... You need a sort of music to fade out to learn. Yes, well, that, that'll be it. <laughs> That's the one. That'll be it this week. All right, Dick, thanks. Nice to talk to you. Lovely. All the best. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Peace out.